Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. All right, this morning, I'm, as Whit mentioned, I'm in the fourth part of our Follow Me series. I'm going to be... uh, uh, going to the passages in Mark, uh, Mark 12 and Matthew 10 in just a few moments, and I'll just take a moment, kind of, kind of get you caught up uh, if you if you've missed a Sunday or two. So why this series? Well, the term "follow me." Jesus used it in different manners and methods throughout his ministry. So we're just looking at what does follow me mean. He uses it in different situations. It means some different it means some different things. So in this series we want to follow or explore the meaning of Jesus invitation. Follow me. So that it, it implies, you know, hey, stay close to me. Watch, learn, ask observe, ask questions. So uh, to us, kind of our working definition in this, uh, in this series is uh, to be a follower of Jesus is to make a lifelong commitment to learn and live out his teachings, to make a lifelong commitment to learn and live out his teachings. So we're going, this is a continual life pursuit to have a hunger for God and be curious about the things of God. And not just when we learn something, but now we apply it uh, to, our, uh, to our particular lives. So we're looking at what the Bible says about following Jesus, but we're also looking uh, what Jesus said. He kind of gives us some definition on following him. So as I've mentioned, there are two primary audiences for this uh, series. Uh, one is if you're a young adult and if you're new to faith, uh, we want you to know Jesus personally and intimately. So a lot of young adults, 35 years in age or under, a good number of them have not been raised in church. They're not really sure what being a follower of Jesus is. Maybe you were raised in church. Maybe maybe you weren't. Well, we want to show you the pathway. We want you to see that following Jesus is not just a mental Thing or a one-time thing in your heart, but there's a pathway that you can follow and know him, you know, personally and intimately. Uh, also, uh, maybe if you're a little older, this series is for you. Maybe you've accepted Jesus as your savior and feel, maybe feel like your passion for your relationship with Jesus has faded. Doesn't mean you've turned your back on the Lord at all, but maybe there's been some drift, maybe some slowed down just a little bit. Maybe he's not first in your life anymore. There's all kinds of different priorities, or maybe you perceive your spiritual life as boring. You know, your walk with Jesus is a burden. You have this joyless existence. Well, I, b- I believe there's an answer for you through, through following Jesus. Jesus, in John chapter 15, he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much Fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So he says, when you plug in, when you get close, when you lean in, when you intentionally connect 
with me, there is a fruitful life that will be born in every way, spiritually, and God will bless your lives. So that's his admonition to us. So Jesus not only tells us to follow him, but he gives us the pathway. And I want to give you kind of the previous weeks that we've, uh, the, the information we've been going over in the previous weeks. And if you've missed any of these are on our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, our iTunes podcast. So we talked about follow me begins with an initial life-changing encounter with Jesus. We begin, you know, just following him, having a personal experience with him. Follow me means following Jesus, being the example, following Jesus' example of being baptized in water. Follow me with regular times of personal worship, scripture, and prayer. Follow me, this was last week, by obeying and trusting God's direction and plan for our lives. So God has a distinct plan and purpose for you. Followers of Jesus lean into that and they walk that pathway out. Follow me uh, is acknowledging and overcoming evil behaviors, striving for actions and attitudes that would be like Jesus. So he points out, hey, there's some stuff in your life that you don't need to have. But he also helps us to, to get rid of that stuff as well, as well. So that, you know, hopefully can bring some clarity as we're working through this series and provide kind of a pathway for us as, as a church, as we're coming closer to Jesus as a church. Also, really quick, in the foyer, we have a resource table. All that stuff is free. We ran out of it the week before. We've replenished. So there are the books that's called I Am a Christian, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, how to study the Bible, how to know the Bible. You can grab that. It's free. We've got print resources, the basics of discipleship, walking in the footsteps of Jesus. It's kind of fill in the blanks. If you don't have a Bible, we've got free Bibles for you. NIV, The Message, The Story, which is a Bible written kind of in more like a novel, Spanish NIV. There's connections class, information, our video discipleship series. So all of that is free. It's at the table in the foyer, so you can grab that when you leave. All right, this morning, follow me. What does it mean? Being generous to the church, to the needs of others and missionary works around the world. Follow me, being generous to the church, the needs of others, and missionary works around the world. So Jesus, he talked a lot about money and different aspects of it, about giving, about paying your taxes, and about its potential impact upon our life. Money is value neutral, but it also can reveal how we handle money, can reveal certain things about our heart and our life. Usually sometimes it's good, you know, sometimes it's bad. Now, reasons people don't give or contribute to the church. Reasons people don't give or contribute to the church. I want to touch this up front. They are suspicious about the relationship with money and the church. We're going to come back in just a moment to what Jesus says, but I want to just want to mention this uh, up front. So they're suspicious about the relationship with money and the church. Now I mentioned it. Jesus talked a lot about it, all right. But it's not a topic that I'm comfortable talking about. Okay, my salary comes from the collective offerings of the congregation, so I can understand why someone would go, "Yeah, well, no wonder they talk about." Money, you're, you know, you're the beneficiary, you know, of that, you know. So there are people that are suspicious 
about the connection of money and the church. Now, let me just say, too, I agree with you, okay? There are reasons to think twice and be suspicious because I see it as well. Churches and ministers that abuse, there, there are abuse, there's fraud, there's theft, and just overall stupidity of how churches and people spend money sometime, you know, so some of this suspicion, unfortunately, is well, you know, well deserved on the church, but I do think that what you see that represents abuse, fraud, and theft, and stupidity is small compared to most churches, all right? Most churches just struggling to pay the bills, just trying to keep the lights on. So sometimes you see the, you know, the, the churches that, you know, mega churches or whatever, people make poor choices and we get saddled with all of the suspicion about that. So, you know, I, you know, I understand, but I don't think it's reflective of all, of all churches. So if you go here and have suspicions about our reasons for existence, then don't give anything at all, all right? If you're new here, this is your first time, you went, this is my first time, and his first message is about money, okay? All right? Don't give a dime. Don't give a dime. If, you, if you're suspicious, well, this church, you know, they're all on the take, then don't give anything at all, okay? You're welcome here. You're welcome here. It doesn't cost anything, cost us anything for you to attend here. So you're our guest. You're our friend. Enjoy and don't feel any, any kind of burden or anything at all financially. Okay? Just go here. Now, if you're a regular tender here, that speech is not for you. <laughs> all right? That's to those that are new. All right? So, if you're suspicious, don't, don't give anything. Just, just enjoy. But I do want you to, to know some things about giving to Generations Church, okay? No one's going to call you or pressure you to give, ever. We've never done it. We don't discuss it. It is not part of our plan. We don't contact people. We don't about giving. We don't follow up. You know, let me just say this. I don't even know who gives what here. I don't even look at that, okay? I could. I don't. So I don't have people follow up because I don't know who gives what. So you would never be pressured, ever not a call. We encourage people to give, but there would never be a time that we would pressure or call you to give. Also, we have regular financial transparency and accountability, okay? Every month, our leaders that you saw up on that screen, they get a full financial statement, account balances, profit loss of all of our accounts. They can ask any question that they want. That's on a monthly basis, on an annual basis. And it happened last Monday. The entire congregation is invited, members and regular attenders. They were invited to come last Monday. We gave everyone a full financial statement, account balances, profit and loss of all of our accounts for the past, you know, all of our accounts for the past year. Not only did we do that, we put two microphones on the floor. And if you had any questions about anything in the financials, you could come and you could ask a question. 
We also took that meeting and did a limited live stream for those who are members and regular attenders. And for that day, we put our entire financial package on our website. So everybody connected, if you couldn't come, everybody connected with our church could look over the financials, okay? Annual for everybody, monthly for our leaders. And then every Sunday, I don't know if every church does this, but we post our income on the back of our bulletin. Don't be looking, don't be looking, all right? All right, so we post our missions income and our tithes and offerings income. So I want you to know that we have regular financial transparency and accountability from multiple people here. Also, something else to know about giving to Generations Church. Last year, we gave away 35% of our income, okay? Well, churches are on the take. Well, not all. We gave hundreds of thousands of dollars away last year to local nonprofits, transitional housing, feeding hungry people, helping the homeless, missions, missionaries, community-wide benevolence, evangelism, outreach. 35% of our income we gave away, okay? So you can say whatever you want about other churches, and man, they just hoard money, not really here. We just have a system where we just get what we need and we give the rest away. I believe that followers of Jesus are some of the most generous people out there, not because they're wealthy, but just because that they're generous. So if there's any suspicion that you have about our intentions toward you or the reason for our existence, then you just relax, don't give a dime, ever. You just worship, you just meet people, you just let God do something uh, in, in your life, okay? So I just want to say that up front. Another reason, other reasons people don't give or contribute to the church. Some of it is lack of teaching and understanding about biblical giving. Now let me say, I'm the one that's guilty of that. I'm guilty the last full message I did on money was in 2017, okay? That's terrible. That's terrible. Somebody asked me the other week, hey, do we even really take an offering? I, I was timing the video this morning. It's like one minute. That's about as low-key as you can, you know, about as low-key as you can get. So, uh, so some people, they just, they don't know about what Jesus says about giving. So I want to talk about that because it's part of being a follower of Jesus is being generous, just being generous. So Mark 12, Mark 12 in verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put <clears throat> and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all others. They gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. So Jesus, he visits this temple and he, he sits, you know, like they didn't have seats like in the middle in those days. It was kind of on the side, kind of amphitheater, wasn't necessarily really thing any in the middle. So, you know, if you sat up toward the front, you were sitting toward the place where people 
gave. I don't know that it was anything intentional, probably just more, you know, just more random than anything. So he probably just sits, sits down. Now, <clears throat> like today, especially then, you didn't really know who was giving what. Couldn't tell. But maybe it was a little different back then because they didn't deal with currency or online giving. They had coins. That's all they had. So there were times that you could tell what people were giving by the sound of the coins that were hitting the plate. Heavy coins, you know, made a more distinct, you know, noise. A number of coins, if you had, you know, 20 coins, it would make a lot of noise. You know, like especially if you dropped it from high, that's what I would do. Wow. All right. So you couldn't always, you know, you didn't know the amount, but really from the sound, because bitcoins make more noise, the numer more numerous the coins, it would make more noise. So then you could, you could tell. So he talks about a very poor widow. She's a widow, okay? Not, not with social security like today, not with any kind of, you know, uh, a safety net at all. Here's a poor widow. Evidently, everybody knew who she was. She's nameless here. A poor widow. She comes and she approaches, approaches the treasury and she anonymously gives her coins. Jesus made the statement that she has given more than the others. How did he calculate that? She, with her few coins, gave more than the others. How did he calculate that? Because Jesus measured this by how much was left in their accounts, not by how much was given. That's how he calculated it. How much was left in the savings account after she gave? How much was left in the savings account after the, the Pharisees gave? That's how he calculated you know, what was given. Followers of Jesus give out of a heart of love and reverence for God, okay? Followers of Jesus give out a heart of love and reverence for God. This widow had, was, was under no pressure, no compulsion. No one would have said anything to her. If she hadn't given, they would have probably have understood if she chose not to do it. But as she approached, approached the front of the church, this for her was a holy moment of worship. There was something that God had done in her heart. She scraped together all that she had. And this was not a financial transaction. This was a holy moment of worship. And she followed the people that had given the big, heavy Coins, the numerous coins. And when she put her two little pennies in, you couldn't even hardly hear it. So light, so small, you couldn't even, you couldn't even hear it. It was indiscernible to everyone. Can I just say, we have a reason to worship and be thankful as followers of Jesus. Our families, 
the life that he's given us. We have an imperfect country, but it's a great country. We have friends. We have skills. We have jobs. We have homes. We have possessions. We have grace and salvation. You know, we're headed to heaven when we, when we die. Man, we got a lot to, to give and be thankful for. And I don't, amen? All right, all right, just checking. Out of that acknowledgement, I worship. I worship. Can you just take a moment right where you're at and just give him thanks? Would you just do that? Lord, we thank you. We thank you this morning, Lord. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your blessings, Lord. You've been gracious to us in our material blessings and in spiritual. Lord, we just take a moment and we just give you thanks. Out of that acknowledgement, we worship. But also out of that appreciation, we give. We give. The lady had nothing, but yet there was something in her heart. Man, she felt this way about the Lord that she just couldn't come with a song of worship. She could have come and nobody would have said anything. But it was incomplete. What have I got to give? What can I... All I've got is this. All I've got is this. And then, I'll, then I'll give it. I'll give it. So out of the acknowledgement, we worship. But out of appreciation, we give. We give. Just nobody makes us. Nobody calls you. Nobody. You don't have a contract with this church. We just give because we, 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 love, we love the Lord. I want to say this. We, we don't take offerings anymore, you know, like bring the people down. And, you know, Monday night we were looking for the offering bags. It's been so, we couldn't even find them. It's been so long. We had buckets, you know. Uh, so 65% of our income comes in online, okay. And, and I want you to be careful of something that I did the other day. I, I paid my bills and I put my faith promises, boom, 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 boom. I just paid it all at once. Because when we used to take the offering, people come up, we always took a moment that we gave thanks to God. We would pray. Remember that? Remember that? So I want to just make a little agreement with us, okay? If you pay, you give anything online as agreement, let's take 30 seconds and give thanks. I paid that. I paid my missions. Boom. Didn't even think about it. Moved on. And we're missing an opportunity of worship. It's not just a financial transaction. This is worship. So just... If you're one of those that give online, you take 30 seconds before you hit send and just give thanks to the Lord for his blessings. So uh, followers of Jesus give out a heart of reverence. Followers of Jesus give to the church. She came, you know, and she gave her money for the support and the ministries of the church. I believe in the mission of this church. In the crazy world that we live to be a part of a place that brings hope and healing and the gospel to people is, it's important to me, all right? Now, sometimes we have a consumer mindset, like what am I getting in return? What's the CBA? What's the cost-benefit analysis, okay? So I want to say when you, when you give to the church and you're trying to determine your CBA is this worth it? Am I getting back what I've given? It's kind of difficult to quantify because God does things 
many things in non-financial ways, okay? So if you're a parent and you bring your kids to church and they're raised with a biblical foundation in their life, how much is that worth to you? Like, how do you quantify that financially, okay? You send your kids to youth on Wednesday night and they're worshiping and they're praying. They had a sleepover the other night. What? What, what does that mean to you financially? How do you quantify that? Or maybe, maybe when you come to church sometimes and you're down, you're going through a hard time, and you leave and your heart is lifted and you're encouraged and there's faith in your heart that you can make it. Or maybe you're broken and there's just someone that hugs you and prays for you and holds your hand through a hard time. How do you quantify that financially? Someone comes to the altar and gives their heart to the Lord, and you've helped pay for the mortgage and everything that happens here. How do you quantify that financially? When you see 11 people baptized the other week, how does that, how do you quantify that? CBA, am I getting back what I'm putting in? How do you, how do you factor that in? When we support over 120 missionaries around the world on a monthly basis. There's not a time that the sun is moving around the world that the missions money of Generations Church is not, is not producing or, or planting seed of the gospel. I mean, like, what does that mean to you? Like, so I'm just, I'm just saying people have a consumer mindset. Am I getting back what I give? And I just go, it's hard to put it on a profit loss statement it's hard to quantify that but I go yeah yeah you're getting back a lot more and I want to say this too when you stand in heaven and you look around and you see your family knowing that Jesus is the primary one but also it is the voice of the local church that takes that message out what does that mean to you what does that mean to you I say I say she gave to the needs of the church, and I say, is it worth it? Do you get benefits and blessings back? If you're going to do a CBA on it, I say, absolutely. Absolutely. You will get much more back over the long period of time than you ever, than you ever put in. All right? Followers of Jesus uh, give to the church the needs of the church. Followers of Jesus give to the needs of others. Okay? Something about when, you're, when you serve the Lord, your eyes and ears sometimes become open to the needs and the cries and the hurts of other people. And you find yourself as a follower of Jesus where you just can't drive by or just simply pray, but you want to get involved or find yourself becoming involved. Jesus talks about a man in Luke 10 who walked past a guy who was half dead, you know, good Samaritan. Couldn't, couldn't just walk by. Man, he, 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 was, he gave to the needs of others. He, he bandaged his wounds. He put in oil and wine, put the man on his own donkey, took him, put him to the, uh, took him to the local inn, took care of him. The next day, it says he took out two days' wages. And he told the innkeeper, this will cover for right now, but if there's any more, I'll come back later. I want you to think about two days' wages. What is that to you? Two days' wages, all right? He's got some skin in the game there because he cares. 
He didn't think twice about it. Two days wages. Take care of this man if he knows anything else. You know, if he needs anything else, I will, I will do that because followers of Jesus, they just care about others, all right? You can give for the needs of others through the church, Street Hope, GC Families, Hope Community, Women's Pregnancy Centers, all kinds of ways just through the church that you can give to the needs of others. Or you find yourself with an opportunity to help someone and no one will ever know, no one will ever see what you do. But that's, that's part. We're generous. We're generous and we notice needs. So when I give, I give and trust the Lord for his provision. When I give... I give and I trust the Lord for his provision. So if you give a tithe, if you give 10%, you know, uh, it puts you in a position of faith. I mean, who's got an extra 10% to spare, right? Todd White, he'd be the only one that I would know, you know. Everybody else you give 10, it puts you in a posture of, of trusting the Lord and faith. Some people go, Hey, when I have the extra extra money, I'll give, okay? When I have the extra money, let me ask you, when do you ever have extra money? When do we go, you know what, man, I'm just looking at the checking account. There's this unbelievable amount that has just accumulated, and I don't know where it came from. Think I'll give it to the church, all right? Let me just tell you. So when when you give, it puts you in a position of faith. It puts you in a position of faith. But here's my challenge, okay? You know, here's my challenge. I believe I would rather have 90% that is blessed by God than 100% on my own because I think something else will happen to it. Jesus said, Luke 6, give and it shall be given. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will it be poured into your lap for the measure you used, it will be measured back to you. So he's using an illustration of like grain or flour, like in a bag, pressed down, shaken together, and it's still running over. But then he reminds us, hey, if you're generous to God on the measure, you know, the level that you're generous to God, he'll be generous back to you as well. So I just go, if you're here and you don't want to give a dime, you don't have to, you are welcome here. Maybe if you don't give, and you go, okay, that's interesting. Then I just say, give it a shot. Give it a shot. You know, just trust, just, you know, just trust the Lord and see if, if God can do more with your 90% than you can with your 100 as well. I just think it puts you, I, I think there's a blessing that happens as well. Now, some things to remember really quick, all right? God will not ignore a sinful life because of your giving. God will not ignore a sinful life because of your giving. He saw the... The, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, and he called them hypocrites. He said, you give your tenth, you are paying your tithe, but you've neglected more important matters of law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. All right, so let me remind you, a tithe or a generous gift cannot forgive your sin or turn God's eye from what you've done. Okay, all right. You can't buy him off. You can't buy him off. I'm going to write a big check because I got big sins. And you know what? We're going to cash your big check and you're still going to have your big sin. There's no connection between the two. All right? Also, God is not obligated to cover our reckless financial mismanagement. All right? So, 
When you give, it's not an insurance policy against stupid spending. It's not. Well, I tithe. Then I, you know, I'm giving. God's going to bless. I'm stepping out. You know, I'm stepping out in faith, you know. Let me, let me just tell you, you can be a faithful giver and work yourself into a financial mess. All right? I only got one amen, but you know I'm telling the truth this morning. You know I am. All right? Well, I need a Ferrari. I'm going to step out and trust God. I'm going I'm to trust him. I'm standing on his promises. God, I know, because God... I can drive back and forth to work quicker, spend more time with my family. People don't want to come to church in what I'm driving now, but man, they'd come to church in my Ferrari. So I'm going to trust you. I'm going to step out on faith. I'm going to trust you. Well, when me and you are standing in your driveway and the repo truck is driving off of your Ferrari... I'm going to comfort you, and then I'm going to remind you of what you just said, what, what I said this morning, okay? So, so he's not obligated, just because we tithe and give, he's not obligated to cover reckless financial mismanagement. Last, faithfulness in our giving does not mean you won't ever experience financial adversity, okay? All right? Listen, Here, here's, listen, uh, you know, Christians lose jobs. They have businesses that go up and down. You know, they have financial adversity. And so I'm just, I'm just going, hey, that, those things will happen, but here's the deal. God's watching over you, okay? God's promises are still working. The, the whims of economic ups and downs, you know, they hit, they hit people. But God's always watching. He's got his eye on you. He told the sparrow, don't even worry about what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat. And he reminds us that that little sparrow, you know, which is just small to me, if I'm watching over him with that kind of great care, how much more am I watching over you and will take care of you? Okay. So don't go, well, this doesn't work. I lost my job. Well, just wait to see what God's second act is. Okay. All right. All right. Follow me means being generous to the church, the needs of others, and missionary works around the world. Follow me, the next part. With acts of faith, God wants to use believers in unusual situations to do supernatural and miraculous things. With acts of faith, God wants to use believers in unusual situations to do supernatural and miraculous things. Matthew 10. God, Jesus calls all the disciples together and he's having this talk with them because it's not, you know, it's not practical, you know, for one person to do all the preaching and one person, you know, it's, it's, it's impossible. You can't be all over the place, one person. So he sends them out two by two. It's all parts of Israel, all right? He, sent, he, he sends them out, especially when he knows he only has a short time to be there. Everything at that point, all ministry was concentrated on himself, but he sits down with them and he sends them out two by two. Here's a little clip from The Chosen that kind of walks into that, uh, that moment. Let's, let's play that. But I have chosen you 12 as my apostles. You're sending us? 
An apostle is the same as a messenger, one who... I know what it means, Matthew. That's why I'm asking. You are my leaders. And for this mission I have for you, it's best that you spread out and not be concentrated in one place. I... I don't understand. I'm going to go home to Nazareth for a time, and while I'm there, I'm sending you out in every direction, two by two, specifically to our people only. Every direction, Rabbi? Yes, but not to the Gentiles. Not yet. That will come in time. But to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, just as Joshua led the 12 tribes to take the promised land. You will proclaim as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And while you are on this mission, you will heal the sick and the lame by anointing them with oil. You will cast out demons. You will clean. What? Why are you all looking at me like that? Uh. Could, could you just repeat that one more time? I'm sending you out two by two, proclaiming as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cast out demons. Uh, how soon are we talking about here? There's that word again. I'll get to that, Simon. Hold on. Heal the sick? Cast out demons? While you are on this mission, I grant you this authority. Someday, you will have it all the time. Was that a ceremony I missed? This is it. Don't feel any different? I don't need you to feel anything to do great things. Amen. What stops people from allowing God to use them in unusual circumstances or in supernatural ways? They think this situation would require a pastor or a church leader, not me. Or lack of understanding of the authority of the believer, okay? Now, I want to say... If you find yourself in a place where God wants to use you and maybe you're the only one there, don't call me. Don't call me. Especially after midnight, don't you call me. All right. Well, now look, you can always call me, okay? But I want to say something. You, don't, you have access to everything that I have access to, okay? You have, as believers, access to everything that I have as well. So you don't really need me if God has put you in that place. Matthew 28, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I have commanded you. As freely as I give, as freely as you give. Matthew 10, as you go, proclaim the message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. 
He says when you are, you know, walking in this authority, I mean, that if you're just obeying the orders, then you're walking in an authority that he has placed upon you. We see that given again in Acts chapter 2 in the upper room, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit so that believers, Jesus wasn't there anymore. Now, man, he's putting his power upon people so that they, so that they can be used as well. Followers of Jesus, let me remind you, God always uses ordinary people. And he says, trust me to do something in you and through you in this moment. Trust me. Trust me. At the end of the service today, we're going to pray. We, be we believe God Heals, restores, forgives, saves, does miracles. Today we're going to pray for that. You know, we're going to pray for that at the very end of the service. That promise is still there. Let me remind you today. There'll be a time in your life that God will call you to do something that will take great faith on your part. There is a time in your life that God will call you to do something that will take great faith on your part. Now, some of you, when I said that, you looked just as shocked as those apostles did in, in that video clip. This isn't all about me calling the church, getting help. I want to remind you, if you find yourself in that moment, remember that God's prepared you for that moment. If you find yourself in an opportunity of faith, know that the, that the Lord has put you there and you have everything that you need to be successful in that particular moment. He says, I want to use you. I want to grow you. He's giving you that opportunity. He wants to use you. He's saying, here's your faith moment. Here's your faith moment. Everybody has a faith moment. Everybody has a faith moment. Peter, his first faith moment started when Jesus said, follow me, and he left his nets. He left the nets. Remember, he walked out of the boat. His next faith moment, he was in a boat, and Jesus said, hey, come here. Come here. Step out here. <laughs> what, what, me? Why don't we come together? Let's do, no, you. This is your faith moment. This is your faith moment. Come out here. Come out here with me. And he does. He's looking around smiling. He's waving back at the boat at his boys. Look what, look what's happening here. And then all of a sudden he begins to sink. He begins to sink. All right. He come, Jesus brings him back up and then it starts this life of, you know, this life of Life of faith. Now listen to me. One faith moment in your life provides the foundation for the next faith moment. All right? God is growing your faith, so he wants to use you here. But what is happening in this moment is not necessarily about this moment. It's about the next moment. It's about the next moment. Worship team, you can come. Man, Peter's sinking he, he goes up and down. He denies the Lord. He's sleeping at Gethsemane. He's imperfect. But yet there was a moment at the upper room when that happened that the Lord said, hey, now it's time for you to speak. I, I'm not really a speaker. I don't, 
There's a lot of people out there. It's a faith moment. One faith moment provides the foundation for the next faith moment. He speaks in the upper room to all of those thousands. And a few days later, he's walking down the road. There's a man that needs healing. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise and walk. One faith moment is built upon the next faith moment. We as followers of Jesus, you cannot depend on the church. You can't always depend on a pastor to be close by because the Lord is going to put you in places that you're going to have to depend on him, his faith, his anointing, and the presence and power of God that rest on you. Don't call me from the hospital room. You lay your hand on and believe in the name of Jesus yourself. Now you call me if you need me, but you know what I'm saying. You don't always need me. I'm not bringing anything that you don't already have. All right? So do it. It's what followers of Jesus, followers of Jesus do. You'll never have the testimonies of faith until you have the tests of faith. We always want to give the great testimony. All right? But unless you're going to walk through the test, you'll never have the testimony of of Peter until you have the faith moments of Peter. Peter had some good stories to tell, all right? You'll never have the testimonies of faith until you have your tests of faith, okay? So follow me with acts of faith. God wants to use believers in unusual situations to do supernatural and miraculous things. And that's you. That's you. Never been to Bible college? Doesn't matter. Hadn't been serving God long? Doesn't matter. I'm just a college student. I've only been been a Christian a little while. Doesn't matter to me. Doesn't matter to the Lord. He's just looking for people who believe Him. Stand out. Just extend a little bit of faith. But I'm going to tell you, once God brings you through that first step of faith, there's something that happens in your heart. Once you believe and you see God move on your behalf in a certain area, man, it just kind of pops the next time. Once you have that seed of faith that starts that starts giving a little fruit, man, you begin to see circumstances a little bit different. You don't sweat anymore. You don't have perspiration. You don't have me on speed dial. You're going, you know what? I got this. There's a confidence in God's power that is developed in your heart. And you're not scared anymore or apprehensive. But when you see something arise, you know that God has placed you in that moment. And that God wants to use you in that moment. And you just go do your thing. You just go do your thing. As a follower of Jesus. Follower of Jesus. Hey, this morning we're going to pray. Worship team's going to come. We're going to pray for those that have, maybe you got some financial needs and issues. We've talked about that this morning. You know, but also we're going to pray in just a moment. We're going to pray for those that need a miracle. We've talked about we're kind of the dispensers of that. But you know what? That message from Jesus is, man, if you need a healing in your heart, your mind, your soul, if you need restoration in some way, if you need forgiveness, this gospel can touch every part of our heart and life. We're going to open the altar in just a moment and do that. Would you stand? Would you stand? Before the worship team comes, would you just praise him across the building? Would you just worship him? We want to see God do something powerful in our midst this morning across the building. Would you praise him today? Would you praise him today? Lord, we worship you. We worship you this morning. 
We give you honor. We give you glory. We give you thanks, Lord. We give you thanks, Lord. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our praise this morning. We give you honor and glory. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Come on, just another moment before they sing. Lord, we worship you today. We worship you today. Thank you, Lord. 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 When they sing or as they sing, if you need a miracle, you need a touch from the Lord in any part, mind, heart, soul, body, cleanse, restored. We believe the Lord can touch you this morning. I want you to come, if you would, find a place across the front. Somebody's going to come pray with you. We're going to believe God's going to do something powerful in your life this morning. Worship team, sing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to pray across this building before they sing again. So, Lord, we come before you tonight. God, we believe that you have that answer to every, every human problem, heart, soul, mind, and spirit. Lord, I pray for those this morning who are away from you. Lord, they don't know you. Lord, I pray, I pray that with, with a simple prayer, just calling on your name, there'll be grace and forgiveness today, Lord. I pray people who are crying out in their hearts, Lord, they're away from you, Lord. Today is a day of renewal and reconciliation today. Lord, the prodigals that have been away from God, Lord, I pray, I pray for them today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Restore the heart and the soul. Forgive sin and cleanse. Make right with you this morning, Lord. Oh, God, I pray. I pray for those that are sick in body, heart, mind, and soul. Lord, they need a healing. Lord, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Lord, you told us to preach that message, proclaim that message, and we do. Lord, that you are a healer, Lord. You restore. God, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray for healing today. Come on, pray with me this morning. If that's you, Lord, I pray for healing today. Restoration of the body. God, I pray. Lord, if somebody's faith is pushing through this morning, Lord, you're going to heal and restore. I pray sick bodies are healed. By your stripes, we're healed this morning today. By your stripes, we are healed. Is that you this morning? Online, is that you, Lord? I pray. I pray for that healing work this morning, Lord. That restoring work. Restoring work. That's a word that's in my heart today. Restoration restoring he's, re he's rebuilding something in your heart God I pray oh God I pray today bring healing Lord doesn't need a miracle today you told us to preach that message and we do this morning oh God we pray today we pray today Lord we pray today Lord you're a God of healing you're a God of miracles you're a God that restores and we pray over that today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.